Kia ora St. Luke's, here we are again in the living room. I remember when this was the new thing. Now it feels very much like the old thing, but uh, that's alright, here we are this morning. Let me begin with the, uh, the set prayer for this Sunday. Oh God, you spoke your word and received your good news in Jesus Christ. Fill all creation with that word again, so that by proclaiming your joyful promises to all nations and singing of your glorious hope to all peoples, we may become one living body, your incarnate presence on earth. Amen. Amen. One living body, your incarnate present on earth. Uh, maybe it feels a little, a little bit less like one living body at the moment as we're scattered around the city uh, again. Uh, but oneness is something way beyond togetherness. Let's all remember that oneness is something way beyond togetherness. Oneness is a spirit of unity and solidarity that has little to do with togetherness, togetherness in the sense of being in the same place necessarily at the same time. Uh, don't get me wrong, I way prefer togetherness. I way prefer all being in the same place at the same time. But uh, we can't do that at the moment, but that doesn't need to interrupt our oneness or our sense of unity or solidarity with one another. Uh, we're not together at the moment, we're scattered, uh, but scattered need not negate oneness. One living body, the incarnate presence of God on earth and as the church of Jesus Christ. So let's maintain unity, oneness. Uh, companionship and connectedness as much as we can, invite somebody for coffee, catch up with somebody for lunch, take somebody out for a walk around the mount or something. We can still connect with one another even though we can't all be in the building at the same time. Scattered and yet finding ways to be mature and loving in our faith. Alright, if you've got your Bibles this morning, that's awesome. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, no trouble, just run and grab it. It's uh, either on the coffee table in your lounge or um, next to your bed. Uh, you can go and grab that and uh, go to Matthew chapter 8 because we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 8 in a little bit this morning. Uh, if you've ever been out on a boat, you'll know that it can be a tiring experience. Uh, even a relatively calm day when you come in, often enough you feel tired, you feel exhausted from being on the boat. Uh, the reason is at a subconscious level, your body is working super hard just to maintain a sense of balance, uh, equilibrium. Uh, perspective. On a boat, the horizon is continually shifting. Uh, even though you might not consciously be trying to manage that, though sometimes people that get seasick are, uh, even if you're not you know, seasick inclined, subconsciously your body is still maintaining that balance and working twice as hard to keep perspective on the horizon and things like that. You're working double time to compensate. Uh, one time I went with some friends trolling for marlin and uh, if we had got a marlin that would have been fantastic. But in the very uh, likely event of not getting a marlin, I thought I'd take my novel along so that for the hours that we were trolling, I could at least read my novel. Well, uh, we didn't hit a novel. Uh, we didn't hit a marlin, which was no surprise. And I didn't hit my novel either. Uh, rolling around in the boat, reading Lord of the Rings. Something that I need to let you know on land, I don't have any trouble reading Lord of the Rings. But out on a boat, super difficult, super challenging, and was just exhausting and not something that I managed to do at all. It's a whole different story. Uh, water, the ocean, the sea, it's never been a metaphor for stability. Uh, in the ancient world, in every culture, the ocean has functioned as a metaphor for instability, for chaos, for the unknown, for the unpredictable, for the unstable. Uh, various gods oversaw this unpre unpredictable realm, the, the domain that one would... Uh, would go out into, from the safety and the comfort of land, from home, one would travel out into the domain of the unknown that was the ocean. 
Uh, over time, rituals evolved. Superstitions abounded. Offerings would be made to appease the gods and to ensure smooth sailing. Uh, how else might one hope to prosper on the, the wildness of the ocean? Uh, maybe we still have leftover from those days. No bananas on the boat when you go fishing. Don't take bananas. Uh, a global pandemic. Well, that's not a stable condition either. Uh, it's an ocean-going voyage with an ever-shifting horizon. An ocean-going voyage with an ever-shifting horizon. Uh, certainly for some, this ocean-going voyage has felt like a storm, like a, like a hurricane, like a typhoon. It's been, it's been a whirlpool of disaster one moment after the other. For others, it's been inconvenient but not earth-shattering. And, and that's just the reality of how people experience different things in life. Either way, though, we've been on this ocean for a couple of years now. We've been on this ocean for two years, and eventually that begins to take its toll on everyone. Uh, even putting this current move to traffic like red and the implications of that aside, I've noticed in these early weeks of 2022, in, in, in conversations with people, in pastoral catch-ups, I'm noticing a theme that's kind of you know, bubbling away again and again that many people are feeling tired and unsettled, uh, which surprises them at this time of the year. This is not the time of the year where they traditionally feel tired or unsettled. It's the time of the year where they feel refreshed and ready to go. Uh, so many people I've talked to have had a, had a wonderful holiday, a fantastic break. They've been doing all the things that they love to do, but the energy or the rest that they were hoping that their holiday would bring, it doesn't necessarily feel like that has arrived. Um, Tired, unsettled, unmotivated, lethargic, overwhelmed at the thought of doing this whole thing all over again for another year. I think what is uh, overlooked occasionally, or maybe what's overlooked in this situation, is that over the last 24 months, all the stuff that makes up our lives, the friendly and the familiar, uh, has been relocated to a rowboat. It's all been relocated to a rowboat. Uh, social, family, work, schooling, interactions, relationships, even if they look normal on the surface, and I know in many instances that they haven't looked normal on the surface at all, but even if they have looked normal on the surface, uh, it, these activities have been kind of all sandwiched to work together and have been, been outworked on a, on a rowboat on an, in a rowboat on an ocean, a tiny house floating on the sea, the horizon constantly shifting. And the subconscious work that goes into maintaining balance while you're trying to live your everyday life, over time it gets exhausting. Making school lunches, but now you're making school lunches on a boat. Uh, having a coffee with a friend just to catch up and see how things are going, but, but now you're having that coffee on a boat. Balancing the bank book, typing away in Excel, trying to do your work on the laptop kind of thing, but the whole time it's kind of shaking and moving around on a boat. Cultivating your spiritual life, spiritual disciplines, the, the, the usual rhythms and practices that you're used to. But, but now you're trying to outwork that on a boat. Marriages, parenting, friendships, family, all of those normal things. But it's twice as hard when you're trying to do that in a healthy way on a boat compared to the land. It's exhausting. That horizon constantly shifting. So don't be surprised if you're feeling like that. I think it's familiar. I think a lot of people are feeling like that. We're going to have a look at two uh, boat stories in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 8 and we'll be in Matthew chapter 14 as well. Let me read from Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 23 to 27. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. 
He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. And I read from Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. We've got another boat story. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone there and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly just before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him up. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Okay, what do we want to take out of these two boat stories, these two accounts of Jesus on a boat this morning? Uh, The first story leaves the disciples asking, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Uh, By the end of the second story, they're answering that question for themselves, worshipping and declaring, truly you are the Son of God. Uh, So if nothing else, uh, as you navigate your life on the seas, know that the Son of God is with you, either in the boat or coming towards you walking on the waters. The unstable and unpredictable realities of the ocean are but a footpath or a walkway for God. For Jesus is the Lord of all creation, the one who was in the beginning, the word and the wisdom of God made flesh. So, you know, what we have here in this first story, Matthew chapter 8, is is Jesus' first creation miracle. Jesus speaking to the forces of nature, the one who was the word with God in the beginning and the one in whom all things have their being is speaking. And we, we see clearly that this is Emmanuel, this is God with us. After Jesus calms the storm in Matthew chapter 8, we see him casting out demons and then declaring uh, that sins are forgiven. And, and the focus of this, this little part in the Gospel of Matthew is to help people to recognize that this Jesus character is the Son of God. The one that can forgive sins and, and cast out demons and even is in charge of all creation. We sing, you were the word in the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high, your hidden glory in, in creation now revealed in you. Our Christ. So the first thing we talk about is this, this Jesus. This Jesus is the one. Uh, now we're seeing, uh, next we're seeing that these disciples of his, the 12, following Jesus. Um, sorry, these disciples of his, the 12, that are following Jesus. Being a disciple doesn't mean that the storm, the wind, the waves, the waters aren't going to flare up. Uh, following Jesus, you're going to end up outside of your comfort zone. Uh, Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, men of the sea, and yet the wind and the waves began to swirl around and they were frightened. It's not a good sign when the flight attendants on a plane are frightened. It's not a good sign when the All Blacks running out onto a rugby field are frightened. It's not a good sign when the sailors on the sea are scared. Meanwhile, though, the carpenter sleeps. Though, of course, the carpenter is the one whose craftsmanship brought all of creation into 
being. Storm-free living isn't a reality in life. We, we just need to remember that. Storm-free living isn't a reality in life. And, and being a disciple, a follower of Christ, doesn't in any way give us storm-free lives. But always, in every storm, Jesus is present to us, near to us, walking towards us, calling us the redemptive love of God at work in all situations. So we go, Jesus is the one, the sovereign one over all the storms of life. We, we recognize that storm-free living isn't a reality in this journey of faith. Next, what we see is that while Jesus is sovereign over every storm, it seems that ultimately what Jesus is wanting to do is calm the disciples rather than the wind and the waves. Perhaps the word of the Lord to some Christians at the moment is calm the farm. Seems what Jesus is wanting to do is calm the disciples far more than calm the wind and the waves. In Matthew 8, Jesus is somewhat frustrated with them, but he's not frustrated with the storm. Jesus' frustration is with the disciples who see this as the end. Uh, he wants to redeem and develop and enlarge and grow the disciples, not play with a man. Nevertheless, Jesus speaks to the storm and calms the storm. In Matthew 14, though, Jesus speaks to the disciples. He doesn't speak to the storm. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. There's this little progression that we see unfolding. The, the calming of circumstances that the disciples find themselves in evolves to, I think, what, what Christ is more interested in, which is the calming of the disciples, irrespective of the circumstances they find themselves in. That's growth in the journey of following Jesus. A whole lot less. God changed the world to be like I want it to be and to be what suits me. And a whole lot more. God changed me to be the person that you've called me to be, irrespective of the world that I find myself in. I think that's growth. I think that's progress. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Calms the storm, but I think the focus on calming the disciples, the disciples are calmed. They begin to worship and realize, truly, this Jesus is the son of God. And then the storm is taken care of as well and dissipates and calms as well. So Jesus is the one sovereign over the storms of life. Storm-free living isn't a reality in the faith journey. Jesus speaks to the storm at times, but ultimately it's the disciples that Jesus wants to speak to. While still in the boat, still in the realm of unpredictability, the disciples worship and the, car, the storm calms down. In the midst of our storm, we, we've got to remember to worship, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Various gods of the sea oversaw this realm of stormy unpredictability. The domain that was far from home and the comforts of home. I mean, you've got to remember ancient people looking at the ocean. It, it disappears twice a day and then reappears twice a day. How, who can control or predict what the ocean is going to do? Rituals evolved. Superstitions abounded. Offerings would be made to appease the gods and ensure smooth sailing. How else might one prosper on an unpredictable ocean? You needed to appease the gods. How might we prosper on an unpredictable ocean? Hebrews 12 verse 2 encourages us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. In a world where the horizon is continually in flux, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus who is our horizon, who is our point of reference, our sure foundation, the cornerstone. We discover that the solid ground we're called to build our lives on is not actually land, the stability of circumstances, but Christ is the solid ground. 
that we're called to build our lives upon. Christ, our solid foundation. Christ, our anchor point. Christ, our vision. Christ, our horizon. Doesn't fix the exhaustion that comes with living in a rowboat. And, and I think we're living in a rowboat at the moment, trying to do our normal lives on the sea. Doesn't fix that. But it fixes us in place as we ride out the storm. It doesn't fix the storm, but it fixes us in place as we ride out the storm. Christ becomes our anchor point. And there'll be drift and swell and a wave or two that crashes over the side of the boat. Uh, while we try to make school lunches or be the husband we're called to be or whatever in a boat. But we'll remain firm, anchored in Christ. Alive in Christ. God, not a utility to fix the inconveniences of our life. But God as ever-present redemptive love that is fixing us right in the midst of all that seems inconvenient. The beginning of 2022, a new year. And yet if you're feeling exhausted when you should be feeling refreshed, don't be surprised by that. We've been sailing this ocean with this fluctuating horizon for two years now. Sit with Jesus though. In prayer and worship and silence and contemplation over coffee or in conversation with friends. You'll calm and the calm in the storm. You'll calm and to be calm in the storm makes all the difference. So let the words of Jesus calm your soul, even as the winds buffet around. Let me close with prayer this morning. In this moment, may you be aware of Christ present to you. Christ with you, Christ within you, Christ behind you, and Christ before you. Christ beside you, Christ to win you, Christ to comfort and restore. Christ beneath you, Christ above you. Christ in the words of a friend or a stranger. Christ in the quiet and Christ in the roar. In this moment, may the redemptive love of Christ be the power to guide you, the might to hold you, the wisdom to teach you the ear to hear you, and the hand to hold you firm in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Uh, and much love to you. It's a glorious day out there. We can't be together, but we can celebrate that Christ is our anchor that holds us fast. We can be present to one another in other ways other than our church gathering. Uh, keep loving each other. Keep loving God. Amen.